right, back here on One on One, just past 2.30 on a Saturday afternoon. Mac Rosenberg, DJ Sixsmith, with you till 4 o'clock. And uh, that time of the show, just past 2.30, as I said, in our weekly Fordham Focus segment to help us through it, we will welcome in the head coach of the Fordham men's basketball team. That's Tom Pecora. Coach, happy holidays. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Good doing well. You. Doing well. How about... How about Temple today, huh? Before Great we get win. to your yeah, team, just unbelievable. Watch the end of it. Let's talk about Temple. <laughs> 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 you know what? It's uh, look, the Atlantic Ten is big time college basketball, yeah, and they're proving it. And you know, to go in the Garden and beat Syracuse, that's like a, a road win because Syracuse draws to the Garden. <laughs> they had ten thousand fans in that place of theirs for sure. It's a sea of oranges. I watched the last few minutes of the game, and and I sent a, a text to Dump right afterwards, congratulating him and saying you couldn't get a much better Christmas present than that. So <laughs> a good win for Temple, a good win for the Atlantic 10. Of course, Fran Dunphy, the head coach at Temple. And Ram fans, in case you missed last night's game, which was right here on 90.7 FM, the Rams losing at UConn. But as has been the case all season long, another very hard-fought game for them. They turned in a 19-0 run in the second half to keep themselves around. And, Coach, you must have really loved that stretch when your guys were firing on all cylinders to get the team back into the game second half. Yeah, you know, they're they're an interesting bunch, man. I mean, I <laughs> talked about coming out that way, and that's what it would take to win at UConn. And uh, we were, you know, we were flat in the first half. We didn't play the zone with great energy, and they shot the heck out of it. They had their best shooting nine of the year, shooting 8 of 16 from three in the first half. So just extending that lead, and, and then in the second half, you know, we showed some pride. We fought back, but once again, uh, that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking to be able to compete into the late portion of a game and then be able to steal a game like that on the road. That's our expectation. So a lesson learned. You know, uh, we, we keep saying that our mistakes are just, uh, we call them experience right now, but we get the uh, next 20 games. Tenor at home. There you go. I'll drop to my knees and thank the Lord. <laughs> After one in the first 11. Exactly yeah. right. I mean, it's going to be so good to play in this gym. I mean, the, the problem is the first few will probably feel like road games. <laughs> I'm hoping we can pack the place. Uh, you know, we play, I believe, four games before the students come back. Right, but we're right. doing a good job trying to bring youth groups in and, and, you know, our regular season ticket base and alumni base in here to fill it up. But excited to be back home, and, and hopefully we're a better team. We had a good practice today. Uh, you know, and we we'll get ready for Siena tomorrow. And, Coach, you mentioned the defensive issues. 57 points you guys gave up. You put more stock in UConn's best shooting night of the year or the fact that you had those struggles with the zone defensively? Well, both. And I don't think it was the zone. It could have been zone. It could have been man. If you don't go out and, and once again, uh, I say to the team all the time, if I'm coaching effort, we're not going to be very good. And we didn't bring an effort forth. Whether we were in man or zone, uh, you know, we were playing in quicksand. They weren't, they weren't hyped up to play. They didn't believe that they were going to be able to go out and and make the kind of plays they needed to. And then at halftime, it, you know, I got to light them up a little bit and get them fired up. And then they come out and they compete at a higher level. But, uh, you know, that's a sign of immaturity. And, and once again, that rests on the shoulders of, of Chris Gaston and Khalid Robinson and, and uh, Brandon Frazier. Our veterans have got to come out and set an example and let those guys know it's unacceptable. So, uh, you know, once again, we're going to move on. And, and uh, I would hope that we're going to come out tomorrow fired up about finally playing at home. And, uh, you know, and uh, playing in front of a good crowd against a, a good Siena team, a team that's better than their record as well. Now, let's talk about Brandon Frazier. You want to talk about leadership the last two games. He has really shown this team that he is the epitome of, of what leadership is. How impressed were you with him last night, a career performance, 26 points, 10 of 7 shooting, 17 shooting? Yeah, me. I mean, look, Brandon's got the sky's the limit, you know, yeah. and I talked to him today. The only thing that upset me last night, and look, uh, you know, uh, Shabazz Napier, 
and uh, and Boatwright, mm-hmm. those are two little pit bull tough <laughs> guards. They're good. And man, cool, you know man. they turned the game around with the, with the three consecutive steals from the guards. And the only thing that really concerned me was Brandon got picked by a really good player, and he just dropped his head. And I said, hey, veterans don't do that. You go track him down and foul him, but don't allow that to happen when you put your head down. I mean, and it's all part of his maturation process. But uh, Brandon Frazier is not the problem right now. The problem is these young guys maturing at a quicker rate getting Chris Gaston back to near 100%. He's not playing with the motor he had prior to the operation, and that's expected. It's going to take him a little bit of time to get that knee back to 100%. Now, you talk about maturing with the young guys at a quicker rate. It must be very, very difficult to do that, not only on the road so much, but, I mean, these road teams, I mean, I tell a lot of people, the games are on the road, but they're not just against, you know, they're not against, they're against very hard teams that are on the road as well. I mean, and no team is easy on the road. It must be very difficult. How can you you know, um, use these home games now as a way to mature the young guys. Well, you know, one of the things I talked to them about today is one of our goals every year, and we were able to achieve it last year for the first time in quite a while here, is to have a winning home non-conference record. Right. Well, this year we have three games. <laughs> so uh, we <laughs> lost to Manhattan in a game I thought was very winnable. At the end, we gave it away. If we can get one tomorrow, then we have an opportunity to play a game uh, on New Year's Eve against Monmouth and have a home winning record. So you're always looking for different ways to motivate them from it. I think we've come through this stretch and we will never play a schedule like this again. Uh, it, right. it was just a perfect storm of bad things yeah. that put the schedule together with games that were delayed, home games that got moved to become away right. games, a lot of different things. You ever play a schedule like that? Never. And I've <laughs> never Nobody was, ever uh, will. Uh, yeah. No, right. not if I'm around. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I told you guys last week, I was never 1-8 and eight before. You know, oh, so right. I was like, this whole is uncharted territory for the old guy, too. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that we got through this. And look, there's some... There's some wounds from it. You know, there are some guys who I've had to pick up whose uh, confidence has dropped and, and all of those things, but they make you stronger, you know. I mean, once again, you guys know I'm in there every day and I'm giving them quotes and, you know, uh, you know, scar tissue can be a powerful thing. You can, you know, you can use it to, to make your dreams come through. true. So we've got we've to just stay resilient. We've got to stay tough and we've got to stay together. If we don't stay together, it's never going to happen. And, and once again, I, I think that they're excited about getting a chance to play at home. Well, Coach, here's a stat that you can use to build the confidence back up. Season high, 17 assists for your team last night, including nine threes. Obviously, some of that came later in the second half, but what needs to happen to continue offensive success like that? Well, let's talk about threes. Was there any better than Jared Faze at the end of the no, night? No, that was, I, a great that, that was absolutely The great. only high point of the night, in my opinion, <laughs> and I said that to the team afterwards, because Jared Faze, a, a wonderful kid yeah. who works, he lives in the gym. I mean, if I leave my office at 11 o'clock at night, Jared Faze in the gym shooting. If I come in at 6 in the morning, he's in the, in the gym shooting. I told and him he's you're getting a little Jared Fay coming in next year. Yeah, a little Jakey. Yeah, he's, he's bigger. Hopefully he shoots and works <laughs> so he's as hard. He's a big Jay Fay. He's a big Jared But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and he's, uh, he's just wonderful. So I was very happy for him to come in at the end of the game and make a, and make a shot. Right. But we need to search out shots. I mean, Brian Smith, Jeffrey Short, Brandon Frazier, Mandel Thomas, in practice they shoot the heck out of it, and they've got to be more aggressive in searching out shots. You know, I mean – uh, great scorers are like that. They they just find a hundred different ways to get a good look at the basket, and we need to be a threat from beyond the arc so we can soften things up in the post. You saw last night a number of steals with guards ducking in and, and ripping balls out of our big guys' hands because there was no threat of them kicking it out and knocking down a three. So, once again, offense is about creating space, and the way you create space is you shoot the ball well from the outside and you post the ball up on the inside. Now, with, with Chris Gaston, how has he been feeling? Because you mentioned his knee before. He only played 21 minutes last night uh, in his second game back from that knee surgery. Is he at full health right now? Well, not full health, but I think he's moving in that direction. Look, it's going to swell. I mean, anytime 
They go into your body and do some work in there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while for it to recover. Uh, you know, we're going to get a good break after tomorrow's game. Uh, you know, we won't be back until late Wednesday for a practice, so it'll really give the guys three or four days to really rest their bodies. Um, you know, last night was a decision, knowing we were playing again on Sunday and with the game out of reach, you know, you're down 29 at the half. I said to the guys, you know, we'll get Chris eight to ten minutes in the second half, just let him work himself back into okay. shape. All right. And that way you have fresh legs for Sunday. And, right. And, you know, same with Ryan Canty. I cut back on his minutes a bit, too, because he's – he had just taken a shot in the back, uh, an epidural, because he's got a little disc problem. And, uh, you know, same thing with him. I wanted to make sure they were fresh on uh, on Sunday. Um, when you talk about Chris's play, um, you know, I noticed a few times he did have the ball stripped down low. And Canty, I think, had it once or twice as well. What do you think the issue is down there? Because, you know, Gaston, he gets some of these great feeds from Frazier up top. And, and I think, you know, the problem might be, and me and Alex Smith were talking about it on the broadcast last night, is that he tries to dribble sometimes a little bit too much instead of, you know, he's got possession, just go right up with the shot. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I see you guys are coaching. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe yeah, I'll take a break, let Max <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be in here some afternoons. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, one of the things is guys have to get a better feel for. When you catch the ball and you're a post player, if there's any kind of, weak side help coming, whether it's a big or whether it's a guard, we call it digging digging the ball out. You've got a ball fake and get them to bite on the ball fake. If they don't bite on it, then you kick it out and you repost. And it's something we work on with our guys a lot. I think Chris is just playing too quick. He wants it to all happen right away again. Yeah. Uh, one of the keys for Chris throughout his career has been his assist to turnover ratio. It hasn't been good. You know, he's at basically two and a half turnovers to every one assist. So that's not his world. His world is rebounding the basketball, catching and scoring quick around the basket, and making uh, jumpers around you know, 16, 15, 16 feet and in on a catch, not off the bounce. And when he plays within himself, he can put up big numbers. So, Coach, four more non-conference games, and then obviously where we started with this conversation, a very loaded A-10 schedule. So what needs to happen for your team over the next four to be prepared for the tough competition you're going to see? Well, you know, I haven't looked at the hard numbers yet, but, I mean, if you look at our non-conference schedule and you look at, as was mentioned earlier, the fact that we play Pitt, we played St. John's, we, we, we play uh, UConn. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are they still in the Big East? I can't keep track of <laughs> where. There is still a Big uh, East. So yeah. it's like, uh, you know, we Won't have a, Yeah, exactly right. So we have three quote-unquote Big East teams, right. and then we go with Georgia Tech and the ACC and Ole Miss, who's a very good team in Southeast Conference. And then on top of it, you put the Lehigh, who's supposed to win the Patriot, and Harvard and Princeton, who were supposed mm-hmm. to battle for the title in the Ivy. And Robert Morris is supposed to battle for the – so everyone's at the top of their conference. So I believe it's going to be, at the end of the year, ranked as a top 100 – or actually at the end of the month, a top 100 non-conference schedule. Yeah. And way too uh, tough. Now, we're going to get into league play, and league play is, is tough. We know about that, obviously, speaking about Temple and the great start that Xavier's got off to and Richmond and a lot of these teams – but when you look at non-conference schedules and non-conference records, rather, then you look at schedules. And I look and I see that uh, Richmond has played seven home games. Charlotte's <laughs> played seven home games. So, you know, a number of the teams, Xavier's played six. Temple's played six. Yeah. So, you know, that can add to uh, Absolutely. The, dynam- uh, the dynamic and the, and the personality of your team. So when we get into conference play, you know, the league thought they were helping us and they give us our first two games at home. Well, that's great, but the students aren't here yet. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, man, could anything oh, else go wrong They showed up for Harvard and Georgia schedule? Tech big time last year. No, they, you know that, what? Those were during the break. We need, yeah, we need to make sure we pack the gym and we're getting creative in the way to do that because you can't lose that home court advantage. Right. 
you know, we're encouraging the students, if we can, to get them to come back that Sunday we play UMass. Now right. That, you know, originally it was a 4 o'clock game. Now they moved it up for TV. So, you know. <laughs> a lot of them will be back, though, that Sunday. I can tell you because school starts Tuesday. Well, so we'll a talk, lot of them will know, be back. We'll, do, we'll talk after the show. Maybe you guys can throw a party Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can get someone to underwrite that go. party. You guys throw a big bash. Yeah, yeah we sure back Saturday Bob's night. Would love that. <laughs> Bob will do it. Bob will party animal. Uh, you know, so we have to make sure that we, we have a home court advantage when we get a chance to do this. Right. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, actually, I want to talk about Jermaine Myers for a second because we've, we've spoken about him, and, and he's a guy who's a very talented point guard. Um, and we, we talked about him last night. He averaged, Coach, under five shots taken per game mm-hmm. in the previous five games before last night. He's just, you know, he's a guy that I think we just really want to see take more shots. That he has the ability to move that ball around, but, I mean, when you're a point guard, you, you know, you want to pass first, but I just feel like he may be a little pass-happy at times. Uh, will he ease into shooting the ball more? Well, I, hopefully he won't ease. He'll do it more. I mean, one <laughs> of the things I've been talking to him about, he is too passive, mm. and he's trying to please everyone, and he's a freshman, and I'm like, look, there's a difference between a freshman and a freshman point guard. Right. Yeah. You know, a freshman point guard has got to demand that people are in the right spot. They have to, and he's a wonderful kid. Uh, reminds me so much of uh, of Brenton Butler mm. that was here when I came in, in so many ways. And hopefully he'll develop and become as good a player as Brenton. But, uh, you know, we want him to be more aggressive. We want him to take the ball and make aggressive plays. And if he makes mistakes, so be it. He's playing very cautiously right now. You know, he still has a good assist-to-turnover ratio for a freshman. He's still above a one-to-one on that, uh, and that's important. He's not throwing the ball all over the yard, but he does need to get more aggressive, and he's got to become more of a catalyst. And, you know, then the whole thing with young guys is next play. I talk to him all the time. Next play. You know, forget about it. You made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Next play, man. Mm-hmm. Next play. And uh, don't worry. If you keep making the same mistake, you won't be in the game, and it won't be a next play. <laughs> you know, that's my job. That's one but, way to learn. Right. Exactly, you know, so – but, yeah, we need him to be a little bit more aggressive and search out shots, especially in transition. And, Coach, you've mentioned so much about this learning experience. And for a guy like Brian Smith, who had such a great time shooting the ball last year, he's had his difficulties, as you said. What needs to happen for him to get his confidence back and for him to get more comfortable on the offensive side? Yeah, you know, look, Brian's numbers weren't tremendous last year, his shooting percentage and things of that nature. But when Brian Smith had big games, we had big wins. It was very obvious he was the catalyst because he kind of knew what you were going to get with Chris. Last year, we were blessed with Curvin Bristol. We knew what we were going to get from Curvin and Canty until last night has kind of filled those shoes. You know what you're getting from Brandon Frazier, but you need that third person, right. you know, or fourth person there to really balance things out. And I had a long conversation again today with Brian, and that position is kind of becoming fluid. You know, he's in jeopardy of losing some minutes to, you know, to Mandel Thomas, mm-hmm. to Jeff Short. Mm-hmm. If one of them steps up and starts really doing, doing the job on the offensive end, we'll get him to guard and rebound. But that's a key. Absolutely. And, Coach, um, facing Sienna tomorrow at noon, uh, right here on WFUV 90.7 FM, they're 2-9 and nine, as you guys are. They've lost seven games in a row. They are reeling right now. They've had a, a little bit of a difficult schedule, a couple A-10 teams in there, UMass, St. Bonaventure. They just lost at Manhattan. Um, what, uh, what have you seen from them uh, when you've looked at their film? Yeah, well, they got Brookins back, who's a good player. He's been back for the last five games. And, and uh, Odiana Siki, who's a New York native out of St. Peter's and Staten Island. He averages 13 and 13. Very good. Automatic double-double, struggles mm-hmm. at the foul line. You know, we may have to shack-hack him a little bit during the game. <laughs> but, uh, no, they're a good team. Mitch Bonagora is a, a good friend, another Villanova uh, uh, assistant with Roly Massimino. So we all we come from the same tree. So at times I think it will be a, a mirror image of each other in some of the things we do. 
But when you have a team like that that's reeling, we have to take advantage of it. And playing at home, we have to go after them, and we have to be able to make the plays we need to to win. But I think Brooklyn's and Anasiki are the key for those uh, for the Saints. All right, Coach, let's finish up on a lighter note. One of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, the Golden State Warriors. Of course, one of your former players, Charles Jenkins, on the squad. Have you talked to Charles at all about the team's success this year? I talked to him after they beat the Heat about 10 days ago. And, uh, and we were laughing about it. And I said, remember the days when you were on the court when game shots were made? <laughs> so I was giving, oh, him a, giving him a hard time about it. But <laughs> a little jab in the I left I know how there. hard he's working. And, and, and obviously, you know, Jared Jack, I don't follow the NBA with the exception of the teams. You know, I'll peek in on net games because of, of P.J. Carlissimo, and mm-hmm. I grew up a Knicks fan, but I don't watch a lot. My son's into it, you know, so he's got me watching Rondo. <laughs> he's like, Dad, Rondo's playing tonight. We've got to watch this game, you know. I got my own guys and, i got to deal with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably got Fantasy League, and I don't know yeah, about it. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I talk to Charles occasionally. Obviously, I'll get to him before Christmas to him and his family. His parents come to games here uh, on occasion. So I will definitely reach out to him the last few days and uh, – and, and once again, those are the kind of guys I'm trying to get him up here. It didn't work out. The night that they played uh, the Nets mm-hmm. was the night before our game at the Garden against St. John. So he wasn't able to come to a game or get in. I want him to talk to this team and let them know. He came in as this little freshman, and we redshirted him, and he just lived in the gym, and he, and, and he made himself a pro. You know, Coaches don't make players pros. Players make themselves pros or all-conference players or whatever it might be by their work ethic and their, their coachability and their, their ability to just keep working to get better. And that's what Charles did. And he's a better person than he is a player. Uh, and, and we've got a lot of really good guys on our team, too. I mean, uh, now i just got to get them to all play <laughs> at a higher level. And that's, that's our challenge, and that's what we do as coaches. Young, young team, always a challenge. Head coach Tom Picor joining us. And, Tom, happy holidays to you and yours, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Guys, we appreciate it, and thanks to the show before Christmas. No question. So I didn't get grilled by anybody on the outside today. You guys can handle all the tough questions. There you go. That's why we're here. Right. Yeah, that's what I like. That's to right. Hear. Yeah, we we didn't want to open it up because we knew we knew that we would uh, we would bring the heat on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Thanks, Thank all you right. very much. Take care, Tom. Okay.